Hello and welcome to episode 15 of Get the PHT with me, Sammy. Me, Hannah. And me, Tom. And this week we're going to be, uh, we're going to have actually our, our second guest on the podcast, um, Fran. Uh, she is the chair of the doctoral research committee at the university. Um, so quite official. Uh, she's involved with the student union, uh, trying to make sure that uh, PhD students and postgraduate researchers are represented within the student union at the university. So we're going to be discussing her own PhD and her own research project and her experiences of that. Um, we're going to be talking about kind of uh, communities within uh, your PhD and trying to kind of get a sense of belonging and uh, shared experience uh, throughout your time doing your PhD. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so yeah. this marks our first guest, first kind of guest series, you know, from now on, we're going to be having quite a lot of different people on the podcast to talk about their experiences and you know they're obviously be relevant to the PhD journey so we'll talk a little bit about what they're doing with that um so yeah thank you for Franzi for coming on I'm very excited to chat to her yeah so first of all how has your week been guys well not week but you know I'm trying to remember the last that's when we recorded I think it was almost post Christmas so how's how how are things basically happy new year guys (laughs) (laughs) it's been a while yeah it has um things are good uh crazy we're still in another lockdown yeah anticipate to happen again uh but you know just a reminder did not disagree yeah. lockdown. <laughs> no it's just life now it's normal there's no uh. <laughs> no difference um but life's good things are plodding on um you can't think about it too much otherwise it gets depressing so we're gonna say it's good <laughs> i always hate being that person who when people are going oh yeah, I'm not like, you know, I'm struggling with this or oh, I'm still finding it difficult. And I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm in, not enjoying it, but I'm, I'm at the best I've been with it. But, you know, it's not to say I want it to continue. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, things are, are moving. It's, I, I, I think that since the new year, people have kind of got a bit more, not used to things, but accepted it a bit more. And I think people are prepared to try to crack on with things in the middle of lockdown rather than putting things on a standstill and hoping that things go back to kind of air quotes normal. I, mm-hmm. In terms of my PhD, things have started moving. There's a few research projects that have made some real progress. I think people have just kind of accepted this is the way things are. I don't know if you have found that, yeah. but... I think there's an end in sight as well with, you know, kind of vaccinations rolling out. I do think there's a little bit more light at the end of the tunnel. So maybe that's kind of motivating people a little bit more as well. Anyway, Tom. No, that's been positive. <laughs> Let's hear your positive. Yeah, I'm not Tom. as positive as you two. I'm not <laughs> anywhere near as positive as you two. I'm say I'm positive. I'm, uh, I don't know, what's the word for it? Not positive. I'm optimistic. Peaking. No, not, optimosti- <laughs> not optimistic. I'm just not even complacent. I'm just con- I'm content. I'm content. Mm-hmm. I'm plodding along. I'm, I'm, o- I'm okay. And you, I Tom? I the point where it's just frustrating all the time. Like, I accepted all this lockdown stuff right at the start. It was annoying to see people still going out and stuff like that. Now at the point where other people are starting to accept it, it's just annoyed me it's taking this long. Like a whole year for people to actually accept an actual lockdown. Mm-hmm. Like we could have been done by now. We could be one of them countries that are just back to normal. <sighs> oh, honestly, just going a little bit, well, not off topic too much, but I was watching a random football game the other day in New Zealand. Uh, I couldn't sleep really late, so I put a football game on to try and go to sleep to. Uh, that's what I do uh, and it was a game in New Zealand and 
I, I actually like did a double take. There were people just stood next to each other in the stands, all sat there like full crowd, and I was kind of like, "Wait, what's what's going on?" And I was like, "Oh, it's New Zealand." Like they're obviously <laughs> over there. I, they barely had. I can't remember the last time they had a case. I think they had a mini, 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 mini breakout a few days ago, and inst- I think they had three cases and instantly into lockdown. So <laughs> they're so on so top of it. It's crazy. Well, we're not. That's the problem, but I don't want to get too political in this, but we've basically gambled on the vaccines, haven't we? We've gone, all right, that's going to be our way of getting out and kind of leading the way out in terms of vaccines. So let's see. And we'll get there. You'll be back in the football um, stands in no time, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Jingle? Hello. Okay, hello. So we've got our guest Franzi with us now. Um, If you'd like to just introduce yourself to the podcast as your first debut. Oh yeah, hello and well thank you for having me. Um, I'm Franzi, I'm a full-time CAS PhD student in the schools of sports and health science and I'm doing my PhD in environmental and occupational health and applied psychology. So basically in my project, I'm working with a partner company, which is a production company. And um, I'm trying to increase the workers' um, health and safety performance through the psychological state of work engagement. So I try to find or design an intervention to make the workers more engaged with their work and therefore be more safe for themselves and for others. I didn't realise you were you were Kez as well. Obviously, yeah. Hannah and Tom, I was, I'm, I'm the odd one out. Ooh. I didn't realise so many people were on Kez. I didn't even know it was a thing until Hannah and Tom started. We're everywhere. You can't help it. You need <laughs> darn funding. So, man, you don't realise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there are loads. And some, yeah, sometimes I meet people and I've known them before. And then we start talking or like I meet them on a Kez event and I'm like, you well, what are, what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, there are loads of us. Mm-hmm. Luckily, because it's a good, I think it's a good scholarship program that supports its PhDs quite well. Mm-hmm. If only yeah, I talked, knew. <laughs> we've talked quite a lot about it on the podcast. You know, the, our last episode was on funding. So, you know, talking about the different sides of things. Yeah. Sammy gets a little bit sour about our nice budget. <laughs> Um, I think my main issue is, yeah, not issue, but, you know, I don't mind being self-funded. It's just how you get nice little pots of money appear for resources and travel and different things like that. Yeah, it's, it's, they are nice little pots, but they come with a lot of paperwork. I'm sure these other guys will agree. Yeah, especially if you're not like, I, I mean, if you're, for example, biomeds and you need stuff for your lab, you mm-hmm. probably do have a lot of expenses, but me doing qualitative research i mean i just talk to people and i like just can spend it on traveling or giving people amazon vouchers um i wondered if i could ask brandy where did you do your undergraduate or slash master's degrees okay well i'm I'm german as you may hear and i did my bachelor in eason which is close to frankfurt and it was actually an applied program. So it's basically you do an apprenticeship and a um, study, so a bachelor at the same time. So you don't have like those really nice term holidays. And that time you work actually in the company and do uh, projects. 
So it's quite mm -hmm. nice getting experiences. And after that, I uh, actually went to Wales, to Bangor, and did my master's there in consumer psychology. Oh, very interesting. What made you choose Bangor, if you don't mind me asking? North <laughs> <laughs> <Love> Wales. <laughs> I love Wales. No, I wanted to do um, psychology in an occupational kind of setting, and I wanted to do it more in a marketing direction. And most of the study programs that I could find were more in a team building um, kind of organizational direction. Funny enough, I later went into that direction, but first I was quite set on marketing and branding and all those kind of things. And I think between back then, because I did it in 2010, um, there was only Cologne, uh, Bangor, and somewhere in the US, San Diego or something like that, who offered this kind of program. So, um, I was quite excited to go to, to Wales and improve my English because it was quite rubbish before that. <laughs> so. no, it's great, it's great, you've done well. Okay, so Franzi, you're towards the end of your project now. How close are you to finishing? That must be an exciting time. <laughs> yeah, exciting is one word for it. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was supposed to finish Oh, well, my class funding is um, stopping in the end of May. Um, however, I got a three-month extension, so I have till the end of August now. Um, and, yeah, I really need that extension because uh, mm -hmm. I had quite a few uh, exciting little events within, like, during my PhD. Fun things like my company partner closing down, and so I had no sample anymore, and I had to change my whole... No yeah, whole <laughs> uh, plan of what kind of studies I want to do. I had to change all of that. And the little pandemic happening. So, yeah. <laughs> <The little pandemic. laughs> that little thing. That little thing. <laughs> and obviously, if you do qualitative, well, not only then, but if you do qualitative research and you have to talk to people, it's, uh, yeah, having a lockdown isn't helping. <laughs> yeah, Tom's all too familiar. Uh, definitely. <laughs> I haven't even been able to get yeah, to people because of it. So, yeah. yeah, same problem now. I have to do another study and I really struggle to get people on board. And be even before for another study, I mean, we switched from focus groups to online interviews, but the thing is, they don't want to do online interviews. They like the workers felt it was quite creepy. So I had to come into the plan to actually then do it, um, to do it face to face, um, even with the whole pandemic. I mean, obviously under really strict hygiene regiment, but still. And now I'm really struggling with getting in contact with people and getting people on board for the next study. So it isn't not, easy. Not, not to put like the, the pressure on, I suppose, but are you aiming to submit at the end of August or are you going to, is there kind of a, a little period at the end where you're going to be writing up and so on? Uh, I quite determined to actually finish or like at least hand it in by April, that's at the moment my oh, wow. deadline. So I'm really trying to put it into existence, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> not sure if I'm going to make it, but I work well under pressure. So I kind of have to keep the pressure up and not think like, oh, I can just leave it till August. Um, so yeah, I, I need that kind of pressure to think like, no, I have to get this done. I have to get my participants. I have to analyze the data, write it down and be done with it. So you want to be like, 
Viva Dern and everything by the end of August. Uh, yeah, hopefully. That's, yeah, that's kind of oh. the plan. Well, let's see. I mean, probably some people who've gone through this before are sitting now in front of their radios or whatever and be like, oh, yeah, sure you do. You think that? <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> yeah. You never know what pops up. <laughs> yeah, let's see what's next. <laughs> I feel so bad ever complaining about how my project was affected by COVID, this entire thing you've just been through. I can't even imagine like the stress you must have been under like for the last part of this year. It's yeah. crazy to even think about. <laughs> yeah. Well, it kind of started like after half a year that they announced. I mean, it was always clear that they're going to shut down two or three production lines, or at least one production line was still supposed to be running. And then they got the news that it's that they're actually going to shut down all the production lines. So obviously doing kind of research on motivate like in the broader area of motivation talking to workers who just got the news of being all made redundant doesn't help, it really doesn't help. <laughs> puts a downer on things <laughs> i have quite popular know uh, what is called um quite strong views in my interviews at times that i bet so Fran, we, we got you on obviously um, partly because of your your role in in the DRC, uh, the Doctoral Research Committee. Um, uh, could, do you want to just maybe just give the listeners a little bit of an insight into what you do within that and kind of the aims of the DRC, I suppose, and what it tries to achieve? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm the current interim chair of the DRC, so the Doctoral Research Committee, and it's basically a body that brings together all the all the doctoral researchers from all the different schools because obviously Cardiff Metropolitan has like loads of different schools who do more or less their own things and um, so far they have worked a bit disjointed when it came to the doctoral researchers and um, the committee tries to be basically an advocate for the for the PhDs or the doctoral researchers of all the different schools and make sure that the the students get the best experience they can get and get the schools together academically as well socially and um, basically improve the doctoral researchers research experience for that of course we need to know about the needs and requirements to or resources that are needed for the um, students uh, but that's why we have the representatives of all schools who are then also kind of in, in charge of getting the voices of their or the opinions of their students and then bring them to the committee uh, committee to yeah and fight their <laughs> fight their rights or yeah basically help them to um, uh, to empower the students to do their research and be the drivers of the research it's something we spoke about on the podcast quite a lot in terms of you know that there's lots of other PhD students within the university, but you you don't see, like some obviously don't even come onto campus. And obviously a lot are at Landaf or in other areas of Kincoid. And we only see kind of our five, six, seven people all the time when we're on campus. And obviously other than that, you don't really see many people. So it, I don't know if it's, it's been kind of a challenge in terms of getting people to not engage with it, but whether it's difficult to 
kind of represent everyone if not everyone kind of is always there I, I suppose if that makes sense it's we yeah. spoke about trying to have kind of communities within PhDs not feeling like you're on on your own because you have your own project but everyone's going through the same things and it's yeah obviously I mean it's it, it also depends within the departments or the different schools for example in, in my school in the school of health uh, sports and health science on the health side of things uh we were like before the pandemic all in one office so all the people who actually worked on campus were all together at all times and we had quite a nice community but when i first started that kind of community spirit wasn't there yet but there were like two or three people who kind of started talking to each other and from that it kind of grew bigger of like doing things together like movie nights or game nights or something like that but when i first started because we also had like dividers on the desks and everyone was quite isolated, even though we were all in a room. And you also had the feeling like you have to be quiet and you shouldn't disturb anyone, everyone. And like, because they were also focused, but if, when you actually talk to them, <laughs> you found out they're not that focused. <laughs> From time to time and ask them if they want to have a tea or something like that. So yeah, having, I mean, I think one of the biggest things when starting a PhD or doing a PhD is the feeling of isolation that no one really knows what it's like because obviously your topic is unique to you um, and your experience as well. But in that kind of feeling of isolation that so many students have, they are not alone. And even if you guys may not totally understand what my PhD is like, you still understand how research works or like what it feels like to struggle with the challenge and don't quite know how to get it, like get the data you need or the insight you need. So mm -hmm. having this, like building this kind of community where you can talk to other people about the struggles and not feeling alone was quite important to me when I first started. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that the doctoral committee has really started to do because everyone comes with the exact same concern that, you know, I don't know anyone outside of a few people and I'd really like to. Um, so, you know, I think it's done a great job in doing that. But the other side of things is that PhD students are often just so busy and, you know, in their own kind of world that getting people to engage sometimes feels more of a chore um, than, you know, something that they really want to engage to do. So I think that's always a challenge with it as well. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, we also have a lot of international students who are still in their countries or um, who are working in companies. There are many part-time students who like work at the same time or just like even full-time students who have a lot going on outside of their PhD life. So it's, it's also totally understandable that some people don't have the time or the interest to engage as much. It's totally fair. But yeah, at least give the, I think it's important to at least give the, the platform or the opportunity to engage if you want to and kind of remind again and again, here is someone if you need them, even if you don't need them at the moment or if you are not interested in the moment, we are here. You can come to us if anything is up. And I think the DRC is not only about basically the whole social thing, but also to, as I said, um, improve the, the overall experience, give the student the resources they need. Because I felt when I first started, and it was actually the, the reason why I became first a representative is um, 
that I felt the resources that were given to the students were not always ideal or there could have been more in terms of like um, getting the training you need, getting just like being empowered in the way you need to because I felt many students struggled with, for example, their how they structure their PhD, like on a really project management kind of way, which you can just learn how to do. But if you've never learned it, it's, it's tough to do it just by autodidactic learning or how you kind of structure or set up your meetings with a supervisor. So it is on eye, is it called eye level? <laughs> on, <laughs> on the same terms and, and not like a total hierarchical situation so you actually stay the driver of your research because otherwise it, it's probably tough to stay engaged with your research and feel that you're still doing what you're passionate about mm -hmm. and you need a spokesperson someone needs to you know lobby for all of these things and it's great that you do that um lots of the things we've spoken about is in terms of when before me and Tom started Sammy was a little bit isolated on his own in research house um so you know just even knowing about people sometimes is is not even possible you know we've met someone recently as well who just started his PhD in a pandemic um and had no idea about anyone else within the school because obviously you can't physically access the um, research house um, and just thinking of like all the difficulties that that brings, um, it's just so important to have some sort of system in place if people really want to engage with it. Exactly. I mean, it, it's tough enough to start in any situation, but now during the pandemic where you literally just have your screen in front of you to connect to people and who who are you supposed to connect with? <laughs> it's, kind of, it's really tough. It, I mean... I can't imagine what it's like to start now a PhD in this situation. Yeah, and people are just so screen sick now, you know, like they don't want to go on that extra hour to do a pub quiz because they're absolutely fed up of looking at the screen. So even just finding ways to engage just feels so different, especially in this lockdown. Um, I think that's a real challenge. Yeah, absolutely. But then how else are you supposed to do something social if not yeah. like on Zoom or Teams? have to find a balance if you can't actually meet let us out <laughs> <laughs> hopefully not too long <laughs> okay so franzi we kind of asked you a few things um before the podcast and um, one of the things was for you to think about what do you wish that you could have known when starting your PhD? Just, you know, for the listeners to get some maybe tips and tricks um, if they're new starting out, what would you say to that? Uh, I mean, it's obviously hard as it's different for everyone, like the experience, but for me, it became quite clear that doing a PhD is less about being a genius or super, super smart. I'm, I'm sorry for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's more about being resilient and determined and being able to adapt and kick yourself in the bum to sit down on a desk and read the 20th paper about the same thing <laughs> so I've, I've kind of got into the PhD think or worrying about not being smart enough or not knowing enough as I've been out of academia for a while before I started the PhD but actually 
I mean, it's a PhD. It's like an apprenticeship for a researcher. So you're supposed to learn on the job. And um, it's a really good I way to look at it, actually. Never thought. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say that. It's a really good way of looking at it. I think um, when you think of all the people who have PhDs, like Einstein and Stephen Hawking, all these really clever people, like that's what I associated it with before I started. And you know, they were experts in their field because years ago there wasn't as much information, right? So I think a PhD now as well is something so different. We only even scratch the surface of our subject areas. Um, so yeah, I've never thought of it in that way before, but it is really, it is a bit like an apprenticeship, just learning the skills of research and, you know, getting familiar with your area and then taking them um, somewhere else afterwards. So yeah. you saying then the rest of the next Einstein? <laughs> That's what I'm taking from that. <laughs> Sorry, Tom, maybe you are, maybe. <laughs> maybe next time. <laughs> Yeah, when I first started, I think it was really important to get connected to the, like, talk to the peers that were close to me um, on an academic level to just talk to them about my worries, my struggles, but also just normal conversation out of PhD life to get a bit of a break um, because it really helps. And like also with questions, because many have had similar rich situations and can give you examples of how they they have done it and you can adapt from there so I think it's like for me it was important to learn to not hesitate to ask not my peers but also I don't know when I wasn't great or when I, I've never done interviews before and my supervisors were not uh, qualitative researchers either so I looked around in my department and found a lecturer who does a lot of qualitative research so I kind of asked her if we could meet and if she could give me some some help or like some recommendations so not being afraid to ask I think is quite important when you start everyone I've come across at Cardiff Met whenever I have a problem or I've reached out they've always been so welcoming and so happy to help um, I think so many people can associate with the feeling of being um, doing their PhD and I think most of them remember it to be uh, that horrible time so as soon as you ask for help they always sympathize and you know provide you with with what you need I think it's well, really we, great. we've spoke before about on the podcast about imposter syndrome and yeah. you know not worrying about like you said thinking that you should be a genius and should know everything about everything it's okay to, to not know something and to ask somebody. I mean, that like Hannah said before Hannah and Tom came into research house, I was on my own quite a lot and it, it it's benefited me so much having people to bounce things off of and actually ask them for ideas or ask them for help. And like you say, peers, lecturers, supervisors, anyone, anyone that can help you, you should, you should access that help because ultimately you're losing out and, even though you might think, oh, well, at least now they know that I don't know that thing. You still don't know, know whatever you were struggling with. So you still need, need to access help at some point. So, Yeah, absolutely. And it's, again, also a good way to kind of um, large your network because if you get to talk to people, you can meet new people. Um, that's always helpful. So, yeah, I think... Probably that's- especially important now, isn't it? But like... There's no conferences and stuff like that going on. You don't get to meet people outside of uni very much. So even just talking to your own lecturers or supervisors and stuff about issues you don't know about is going to help you a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And as I said, don't 
hesitate or be afraid. Everyone is always busy, but my experience so far was no matter how busy the person is, they usually find somewhere 10 minutes to kind of talk to you and give you a hint. <laughs> like at least in Cardiff Met, everyone was always really, really supportive in that kind of way. I think another thing, as I said earlier, um, I kind of see the, the PhD as an apprenticeship is um, that that kind of way of seeing it takes a lot of pressure out because when I first started, probably due to the imposter syndrome, I felt like I have to get like directly into it, really focus myself on reading all the literature. Yeah. So within the first month, I become this knowledgeable person and obviously that's not achievable at all. <laughs> and I think what I should have what would have been great to know back then was to take the time in the first month to kind of set up your project and set up yourself as a researcher so what I mean is like come up with a project plan like with your milestones what do you want to achieve also consider buffers because you won't be productive every day and there might be a day or even a week where you don't get anything done and that's absolutely fine sometimes it's longer than a week <laughs> yeah absolutely but then other like i mean i also had some of the best ideas while going for a walk or something like that so sometimes even if you don't do anything obviously like because you're not sitting on a desk in front of a screen. Um, you may still be working because you still think about what's, what's going on or kind of try to figure out a problem you're kind of facing. So it's not only procrastination sometimes to just solving problems. That's what I like to think. <laughs> I like you say it's, 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 it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's, it's a, it's a, well, minimum of three years in some part-time circumstances up to eight years for a reason. You have such a long time for a reason because like you say, you, you shouldn't dive straight in. Yeah. I think if, if somebody dives straight in, probably 99% of the time they'll have to go back to the drawing board and, and think about something else or change something else. And you know, my, my project's changed so much since I started. It's, it's just one of those things really where, you know, it's, you've got to be flexible in your approach. And mm -hmm. like I say, learning on the job, you've got to learn to be resilient. You've got to learn different mm -hmm. research skills. I find that most of the things that I, uh, I, I've, I've experienced whilst doing my PhD, I've learned from and I've learned new skills and ways of, of kind of developing myself as a researcher as well as developing my own project, I suppose. Um, so just to kind of finish off, Fran, we, we quite like to kind of um, think about, I, we've, we've done a podcast on what we kind of wish we knew when we first started and and a piece of advice and so on, because you're kind of coming to the end of your project. Um, we're just wondering what kind of top number one piece of advice you would give to PhD students. I think the top thing is be forgiving with yourself in terms of how, like, how strict you are with yourself about, for example, the imposter syndrome, like that you have the feeling you have to know everything, you have to get everything right the first time. Um, and as I said, like thinking about the PhD as an apprenticeship really helps because even back, well, to be fair, I'm saying that as a hypothesis because I haven't done the Viva yet, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> <laughs> if, if not all your, like all your studies went 
according to plan and you're sitting in your viva and your uh, what is it called not a reviewer your uh, examiner is asking you what happened there it's okay to just say oh well this barrier happened and that happened and just be open and honest about that because it is the phd is a learning curve and as long as you can show that you've learned from the things and that it was like a considered risk you were taking, um, I think it should be fine. So just be forgiving with yourself. You don't need to be perfect. And also your research doesn't have to be perfect. Doesn't mean you should like totally like chill now. <laughs> it's okay if things don't go to plan. Like I can tell you nothing in my PhD went to plan and I just have to say at the end of the day, well, that's what I could do. Um, I did all I could and so many of my studies just went straight into the bin because they didn't fit with the whole pro like with the whole situation anymore. So I just have to make do with what I have and in the Viva I just have to say it like that. Like I have to be pragmatic with my research because otherwise I wouldn't have had anything to show. <laughs> yeah, I've I've been I've been told before that in the Viva if the examiner asks you something and you maybe don't know it or aren't sure don't be afraid to say so like don't try to muddle through or kind of wing it or come up with some kind of answer because like you say you don't know everything now you're not going to know everything in your viva you once you've got your phd like you say that's not suddenly now you're a genius you're still not a genius you still don't know everything no. you're still you're still going to have loads to learn and loads that you don't know and yeah i really like that advice of in your viva don't try to muddle through or you know feel pressured to give an answer or get an answer you don't know everything it's fine like you say accept the circumstances and the, the research that you've you've created is what it is for a reason and like you say you've had these barriers i mean for, i mean we've spoke about on the podcast recently obviously i think everyone all of us are kind of expecting a question about the pandemic now and uh, <laughs> and how have you dealt with it and how did it impact your study and so on and it's just one of those things isn't it where it happened and you just kind of, like you say, you've got to be resilient and crack on. Otherwise, you're going to come to your viva, they're going to ask you, and you're going to be like, oh, no, I just ignore the pandemic. Well, no, that didn't happen <laughs> for me. <laughs> no, no influence whatsoever. <laughs> the coronavirus, you have to be adaptive. You have, have to just adjust to, if too many people don't catch you anymore, you just have to adapt and mutate. Just be like coronavirus. Spread <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I really really like that advice I think just be forgiving because it is super tough um, and I bet that the examiners of Vivas really like when you have the interesting things like you know I came across this barrier and this is what I did to overcome it um, and also when I'm reading theses I really like when people have like a kind of twists and turns chapter of all the kind of things that went wrong and all the other things you had to overcome and I think that's what makes it really interesting actually yeah, it's also, I think, one of the most important skills you can learn as a researcher, because if, like, plan A doesn't work out, and you basically, do you say that in English, put your head in the sand? Like, yeah, very head in the sand, yeah. Yeah, uh, then, I mean, you will get, go nowhere, you have to be adaptive, you have to be pragmatic, um, no research will ever go as it's being properly written down in the in the books well mm -hmm. it does but that's pretty lucky i've never experienced if i was an examiner i'd be a bit bored if somebody said no everything went fine i'd be like yeah. oh 
Okay. Hundred percent to plan. I got all the participants I wanted. None of them showed any bias. <laughs> A bit boring. Yeah, brilliant. I had no bias whatsoever. Nothing impacted <laughs> negatively. Fantastic. <laughs> I think that's a really great piece of advice. As you know, as, as a previous listener, Fran, we have a section on the podcast, Procrastination of the Week, where we like to share kind of our most creative or weird and wonderful ways of avoiding doing work on our PhD or even just in our actual day-to-day work. Um, so, yeah, we thought we'd uh, we'd like to include you in it and kind of see if you have anything that we've we've never found as a as a way to distract ourselves maybe you can introduce us to something that in the next <laughs> week will suddenly distract us ourselves um so hannah do you want to go first in terms of your procrastination of the week okay sure um so my procrastination of the week but you know i haven't recorded a podcast in quite a while so you know procrastination of the month um <laughs> is instead of sitting on my phone after finishing work i decided to download a brain training app you know a bit of pseudoscience whether it works or not but it's fun um and then i've got a bit addicted to it because it's kind of like mini games so i've been getting distracted from my work what kind of games everything like um number sequences or yeah that type of thing the like stroop test type things where you have to pick the color rather than the words oh it'd be like a green circle and whatever yeah, yeah. like picking the direction and yellow and things like that that type of thing yeah but it's Is like really, on your phone yeah it's called um, luminosity um but it's like really good graphics like really engaging um so yeah really, really worth the monthly fee <laughs> you got a new app to go on your phone yeah, right let's not dumb it down and make it sound like it's not a good procrastination <laughs> because it is i'm doing two in one i'm training my brain but the fact that you introduce it saying <laughs> pseudoscience you don't believe in it but you do yeah. it <laughs> i don't know yeah i think it is a bit of pseudoscience isn't it sometimes <laughs> who's uh, next uh i'll go next mine's one okay. I've, I've kind of i've used it before but i haven't Basically, to give a bit of background, recently I bought myself a new MacBook because um, my laptop was falling apart. Could only use it if the charger was plugged in. So, you know, it's basically a desktop because I couldn't go anywhere with it. Um, so I bought myself a new MacBook, which made me realise that I have a good enough computer to be able to play Football Manager. Uh, <laughs> so I've been playing Football Manager quite a lot. I've already played about two seasons. Um, and that might not sound like a lot, but with the detail that's on Football Manager in terms of training, uh, signings, you do press conferences, uh, everything. You, you watch the whole match. You can do shouts to your, you do a, a halftime team talk, uh, wow. things like that. Yeah, there's a lot of depth to it. So <laughs> I've been playing a lot of that so if I'm not getting that's enough football at the moment. Yeah, if I'm not getting enough football at the moment in terms of every game almost being on telly every day. Um I've been playing football manager as well. So, but that, luckily, that's, I say procrastination. I've been doing it outside of work hours. So, you know, well, I've been no, doing it. Not... In, I've been doing it in between <laughs> meetings. Not to drop myself okay. in it, but there's sometimes <laughs> there's sometimes meetings where I don't need to have my camera or mic on. So I might be playing football manager in the background. But you know, that's okay. just between us and the podcast. Well, I hope people listening to that who work with Sammy <laughs> know that five minutes before the meeting, he's been playing away. <laughs> Uh, imagine you had a fender listening to that uh, tweet us if you are listening to this and you have meetings <laughs> with sammy <laughs> tweet 
sweet. Uh, as long as you keep the microphone off when you're doing it well, like during meetings. Exactly, yeah. Don't want any outbursts. <laughs> Do you want to go next, Fran? Do you want to share your procrastination with us? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, as a bit of a background, I'm in Germany at the moment. Uh, well, at the moment, I'm stuck here since before Christmas. Um, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Um, and I'm staying at my parents' house and my parents have dogs. And well, it's kind of the procrastination of the last two months, <laughs> but it, the dogs, because there is always something you can play with them or they are doing cute things. How many dogs are there? Four dogs, two sausage dogs and two Weimarana. Uh, oh. So they are like bigger, like taller, gray hunting dogs. I um, wish I could have a dog. Oh, awesome. I really miss them when I'm in Cardiff. But mm. yeah, when I'm here, I spend quite a lot of time with them and try to train them to do new tricks and stuff like that. And <laughs> my mom got really on board and kind of got me all those agility stuff to do like little trainings to have them go through tunnels. And <laughs> obviously, with the weather, you can't do much at the moment. Mm. But yeah, we kind of build loads of little games like um, what do you call it, glasses that have little holes in the, in the <laughs> and then you hide a little snack under one of them and the dog has to find the right one. Great. I mean, obviously you can can only do one dog at a time. So you can't just do it with the one dog because that would be unfair to the others. So. <laughs> yeah, it takes yeah. a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> I really relate to you on that front because we've just got a new puppy in the house. So we've got three dogs now um, and two of them have started from seven o'clock. They have like a little fight club going on. So they'll, you know, battle it out, growl until about one o'clock when they both get tired. So on any of my morning meetings, I'm like, I'm really sorry, guys. It's fight club time. <laughs> just ignore them. What kind of dogs are you having? Um, I've got one Spaniel who's really old now. She's 15 a little Bichon thing and then a new little puppy cocker spaniel um she's four months so still super young and crazy jealous <laughs> they're so much fun when they well they're fun later as well but as puppies you can really see how they grow into their paws and like yeah. are still really clumsy about things <laughs> brilliant yeah <laughs> and they're so they're so clever when they're young you know she picks up so many tricks so I'm the exact same as you I've been trying to teach her to like jump on my back to like do piggyback um so that's been quite a long <laughs> long trick <laughs> um but what about you Tom puppy talk <laughs> I didn't look bad now I think of it um <laughs> I'd like so from context since I had COVID I've been like the really breathless stuff in my chest it hasn't gone better so they told me I shouldn't be doing any sort of exercise and then the other day I was reading a paper and I really didn't like it and when I don't like a paper I'll really go against it I don't want to read it I'll try anything against it so um I thought oh, I'll just spend five minutes on the exercise back now just you know it's just something away from the reading on a laptop and I did want to go back to it so badly I just ended up cycling to about 11 miles I think it was in the end which for someone as lazy as me is quite a long time so <laughs> Yeah, just to avoid reading, I've put myself, I was ruined the next day. I could barely breathe. I didn't move at all out of my bed. So I almost just bed bound myself for a day just to avoid reading one paper. That um, sounds like karma. Yeah, it's not my proudest moment. <laughs> a little bit. It was a bad paper, though. Have you caved and read it or not? 
Yeah, it wasn't good. <laughs> it's not fun. That's the worst, isn't it? If you already like by the title or by the abstract, I'd be like, oh, I'd have to read it, but it doesn't sound great. Yeah, exactly. Some my worst is when my worst is when somebody else recommends it, and then it makes you think, well, no, I have to read it. You almost feel forced because somebody's recommended it. Ask you it quick questions. No, I really don't want to read this. Yeah, and then in the end, when you soldier through, you're like, it wasn't worth the time. Yeah, you're not going to use it. No. <laughs> it's the bad ones are worse. You've got to make so many notes and arguments against it. I think there's about seven pages, like eight, four pages of notes I've made on this one paper. I think the notes are longer than the actual paper. <laughs> I just did not like how it was done at all. At least you can critique it. You seem to yeah, enjoy doing that. I don't use this, though. I mean, <laughs> if I don't use this paper, I have so much time. Well, you've got to think about the bigger picture. You learn throughout reading it and criticizing yeah. it. It's not everything has to be put. Okay. Has to be just no, about your your final thesis. No, but that's what I want, don't I? I take the goal. <laughs> if it doesn't go towards the final thesis, you can wait. <laughs> True. Uh, so how are we deciding who gets the points? Are we starting the scoreboard from scratch? Franzi is our guest. Does she get to decide? Are we going to put it on Twitter? Um, oh, I think that's a good so. idea. I think I think I think Frank can Frank can decide. Unfortunately, that means that Frank can't pick a well, You can pick your own, but a bit of bias there. But <laughs> so whose whose procrastination of the week is the most inventive? The best one. Inventive. Well, it doesn't have to be inventive, <laughs> but you know, the one that you thought, you know, that's, you that's it. Unique, I <laughs> suppose. Brainless. One that you haven't thought of before, or one that you've you thought, oh, that's a real different way of avoiding I'll doing work. <laughs> well, to to be fair, I've played a lot of computer games and saw it all helpful um, <laughs> to just not work. <laughs> I because I'm a lazy bum, I don't often do exercise or like tiring myself out i feel that we can't do the job anymore so i think i go with tom well, well done tom game on big day for me it was worth it in the end you didn't use the paper but at least you got a point yeah uh, yeah I'll, I'll take that it's better than the paper Thank you for coming on today, Franzi. It's been really interesting to hear a bit more about your research. Um, and I'm sure listeners will be interested to hear your work with the Doctoral Research Committee. So thank you very much. I hope you've enjoyed it. <laughs> Thanks for having me. And well, if anyone is interested in what the Doctoral Researcher Committee does, just talk to me. I'm easy to reach. <laughs> to find. Mm -hmm. <laughs> PhD.